Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, more specifically, the NRL Round 17 Preview, the title of the podcast, pretty self-explanatory if you're looking for what's in store today. Basically, we're going to go through a bit of the news because a lot happens in rugby league, my goodness, since I last spoke to you, oh my goodness, there's a lot happening. So I'll start the podcast today by going through news and views a couple of breaking bits of information that most likely or most probably worth talking about. Uh, So we'll open with the news. Usually I won't go too full on uh, with all the headlines and things. I just like to pick the ones that I feel need to be spoken about. So we'll get into that to start the pod. And then, of course, three teams with the bye this weekend. trying to think it might be Bulldogs, Tigers, someone else, maybe Sharks. Uh, Don't fact check me on that. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, But we do have seven games this round. Of course, coming hot off the heels of State of Origin uh, at Suncorp, Queensland already clinching the series. So absolutely unbelievable. That's probably the biggest piece of news uh, to open the podcast with. But if you're new to the pod, basically what I've been doing is having standalone NRL content and standalone state of origin content that way i'm not posting you know talking about nrl and then it goes like an hour longer because i'm also talking about origin at the same time Uh, so i put the preview out there i said in the origin preview podcast in my perception freddie was rattled actually watching the game and everything he actually didn't look that rattled um but i mean i guess he's rattled now isn't he we absolutely put a score on them I say we as though I scored some of those tries myself, Uh, but as a Queenslander, very happy with that result and a clean sweep potentially on the cards going into game three. But as far as my actual full-on origin review, I am going to do that as a separate podcast. So because the NRL starts tonight, I'm going to just put the NRL one out and then go straight on to the origin one. And congratulations as well to the Queensland woman who've won the State of Origin series. Uh, Absolutely great effort. I think, don't fact check me again on this, I think it's only a two-game series. Excuse me. What the fuck? Come on. I think these ladies are proven in NRLW and other ventures uh, in terms of what they're capable of. They can do three games. I know there's probably maybe like a monetary side to it, but the product, the games, the talent... It's all there. Like, it's actually all there with so much room to grow. And I do make a vested interest to check out uh, some of the women's sports. And it really, for me, it just comes down personally to my actual interest in the sport. Like, I won't watch a ton of women's football unless it's like the Matildas, but I literally don't watch men's football very often. Uh, in terms of soccer and things like that. Whereas like AFLW, 
I, I always enjoy watching um, the Rugby Sevens women. I try to tune into that as well. Uh, and then again, like, I don't see heaps of, like, women's basketball, even though that's out there. So there's, like, different bits and bits and bobs. But, like, out of all the stuff I am checking out, NRLW actually has, like, the strongest pool of talent. And I find it by far the most enjoyable. I think there is so much room for the women's game in rugby league and in general. We're seeing it like booming in a lot of different sports around the world. But rugby league, I mean, there's ladies playing over in England. We saw the ladies at the World Cup uh, with Papua New Guinea and some other sides as well. So it's it's there. And I'm really excited for the NRLW to kick off uh, next month, I believe it is. And I will be doing some form of content for that. Uh, but I won't be doing an Origin uh, podcast for the women's one. But congratulations to Queensland. And I cannot wait to launch in to the NRLW this year. As I said, like genuinely from an entertainment perspective, from the actual talent on the park as well, NRLW is so legit. I mean, I don't think we have, other than Will Warbrick, who's a silver medalist, I don't think we have any gold medalists gold medal Olympians rolling around playing in the men's version. We have some gold medalists in the NRLW and so much more. And it's interesting. There's different types. You've got girls who've played rugby league their whole life. You have some of the girls with sevens backgrounds, other girls just with different athletic backgrounds all together. And it's going to make for the best season yet. We've got some new teams in the mix. And given the strength of where the women's game is at, yeah, I feel like, and again, I could be fact-checked here, I think the women's series for Origin is only two games. These ladies can handle three games. The fans can handle three games. We need to make a way or find a way to make that happen. A two-game series, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the right call. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, the women's game, it's about to explode. And in about a month's time, less than, we're going to be treated to the NRLW. Uh, so the Origin chat, as far as the men's one, will be saved for the Origin podcast to be recorded right after this one. Uh, but let me get into the NRL now. There's a couple of bits of news. Now, there's the Ben Hunt situation requesting his release. Now it seems he's come out today. And by the way, he's speaking about family. Potentially, there are other things as well. More than potentially, I would say, without any knowledge on the situation, almost definitely there are factors that are so much more important than football that are going into Ben Hunt's decision. We don't know what the state of like his family is, for instance, which it's his personal life. That's not really our place to talk about it. But it's like there could be someone sick in his family. There could be all sorts of reasons why Ben Hunt feels now is the time to go back to Queensland. But Dragons are opening up this round. They're playing my team, the Warriors. And to be honest, I think the Dragons players are going to be really fired up because amongst all this mess, the ones who've never been to blame are the players. So I think they'll be up for a huge game against my beloved Warriors. But I will say on the Dragons fans, for the longest time I thought, and this is probably a small minority of their fans, but the longest time I just thought, Man, Dragons fans do not deserve this. Well, seeing how they've treated Ben Hunt in the last week or so, 
I'm actually like, you know what? They do deserve this. Seeing a lot of fans acting like fucking babies. Like the way they're treating Ben Hunt. I said to my mate the other day, I was like, as a Warriors fan, if that was Ben Hunt as a Warrior, because Warriors, Dragons, in the last decade or so, outside like the Dragons Premiership, just over a decade ago, but in the last like five, ten years, neither of them have done anything hugely noteworthy. So it's like, okay, say if Ben Hunt was just doing what he's doing for the Dragons at the fucking Warriors, and then he left the Warriors in these circumstances, I'm just like, we would never, we would never be acting like a bunch of fucking babies. So, yeah, when I see, like, pictures of Ben Hunt getting burnt and all this absolute carry-on, I'm just like, no wonder he wants to leave the club. And as a Warriors fan, I just think from my personal experience, when Reese Walsh wanted to leave, I don't recall burning any Reese Walsh memorabilia or being like, fuck this guy. Sometimes you just got to take it for what it is. And rugby league, at the end of the day, it's their job, but they've got a fucking life to live as well. And there's the whole contract thing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but dragons are up first, so I'll talk more about that in a moment. But let's get to the other news. I woke up after Origin so scat. That's not the news. And fucking hell, rugby league, the world moves very quickly. Just check my phone, what's going on, where am I, who am I? Holy shit, Justin Holbrook has left the Gold Coast Titans effective immediately. There was absolutely no chat of that going around. Everyone far too busy trying to work out, oh, where ben, where's Ben Hunt going? Uh, well, yeah, Justin Holbrook dropped. Effective immediately. I believe Jen, Jim Lenahan, the assistant, will take over for the rest of this year. Uh, but that kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, there were times where Holbrook was under pressure, but I've always thought of him as a fantastic coach. So not only does that news drop, I'm still trying to process State of Origin the night before. They've already lined up a replacement coming in from 2024 Des Hasler, multiple grand final appearances, of course the premiership with the Sea Eagles, and he was looking for a job. Now this is a huge, huge move. My first impression, which has turned out maybe to be wrong, was that this was really, really well handled by the Gold Coast Titans, which I still feel it was, because nobody was talking about this. Like we've seen before, coaches get shafted in favour of someone else. John Morris, it happened to him at the Sharks with Craig Fitzgibbon. And it's happened plenty of other times as well. Uh, but I thought that maybe Holbrook had been clued in to this whole process and they'd just been working it out behind the scenes. And I was like, wow, that's really, really well done. But then I've seen a quote from Justin Holbrook today and I don't want to... It's not a word-for-word -word quote because I can't remember exactly what he said. My apologies. But it was of the exact vibe that Justin Holbrook has been totally blindsided by this move. That he had no idea it was coming. There has been no behind-the-scenes uh, negotiations here to try and just get this done without it being played out in the public. Justin Holbrook, it seems like this has taken him 
by as much surprise as it's taken us. So my first impression was that Gold Coast had been sorting this out behind the scenes, but it seems more ruthless than that. And good luck to Justin Holbrook, wherever he lands next. He did an unbelievable job at St. Helens. In fact, St. Helens haven't lost a Super League Premiership season since Justin Holbrook really got them up and running again. And I know St. Helens, one of the major clubs in England, I've been talking to a few St. Helens fans. They were actually well below par when Holbrook took the job. They were one of the biggest clubs, but they were definitely falling way below expectations. So Holbrook, he got St. Helens going. He came over to take what has historically been a very tough Gold Coast Titans job. We've seen a lot of guys perish trying to get this team up and running. And it's a ruthless move. I'm excited to see where Holbrook lands next. He does intend, by all reports, to continue his coaching career. And he's too good not to get picked up somewhere. But that's the same case for Des Hasler. He's far too good not to be an NRL head coach. You look at Manly and the job he was doing there. They weren't setting the world on fire. But also last year and Manly's capitulation and all the dramas. We know there were plenty of dramas last year. None of that could really be attributed to Des Hasler. And maybe there were just other reasons. They ended up going with Anthony Seabold. But it's it certainly wasn't a case of like Des Hasler was really at fault. Maybe they just wanted to move in a different direction. So now we see the Titans who have guys like Mel Meninga working in their system to try and get a premiership. In fact, they've made a premiership pledge. They want not just one, they want a couple, and they want them soon, now if possible. So they have made the ruthless move of totally blindsiding Justin Holbrook, and from a moral standpoint, yeah, not sure how I feel about it, but... We do know rugby league, and sometimes to win a premiership, you can't always make the decision of just... I mean, maybe they could have handled it better, but you can't always make the moral decision. And they've had to make a very tough call to move on Justin Holbrook out of nowhere because Des Hasler's available. Des Hasler has proven that he can win a premiership at NRL level. And the Gold Coast Titans... Like, this almost seems like it could be the perfect match for where both are at, uh, just in their existence, basically. Des Hasler looking for a job. He's been at the Seagulls twice. There was the whole Bulldogs thing. But he's never quite had a team like this Gold Coast Titans team. And watching Gold Coast, we all know there is so much untapped potential in this roster. And if they can put it together, there's actually no reason as to why they can't be hunting for a premiership. Of course, yes, they've never won one. But that doesn't mean they can't be right in contention. And this year, they have been very disappointing. And there's been times where it's like, well, if they were closing out these close games, they could actually be sitting first or at least in the top four. But they're not even in the eight right now. So unfortunately for Justin Holbrook, it is a results-driven business. 
Gold Coast can see Des Hasler. They can also see that they are this close, a bee's dick away, from being one of the top four sides, if they can get it all together. But just like previous seasons, they don't seem to be able to get it together. Enter Des Hasler, an experienced coach. You have Karen Foran as well. That is probably one of the biggest talking points. We knew Karen Foran wanted to link back up with Des Hasler at the Bulldogs. That's why he initially signed there. Uh, but Des was moved on from the Dogs. Foran didn't have the greatest stint at Canterbury either. Just through injury, not through anything that he did per se. Uh, then after the Bulldogs, where did Foran go? Oh, back to Manly. That's right. And then he was killing it again. Like Manly, we can see they are missing Kieran Foran a lot. Gold Coast last year, the big mistake uh, that ultimately as well really hurt Justin Holbrook was letting go of Jamal Fogarty and just solely relying on Toby Sexton. Very promising young halfback, but that was the big talking point of the 22 season, that they were really missing an experienced, game-winning half. And that is Kieran Foran to an absolute T. His preference, seemingly, is to be coached by Des Hasler. So that means Kieran Foran sticks around. Des Hasler knows that Kieran is the perfect guy to drive all the standards, to lead by example. And yes, Kieran Foran, he's getting a little bit older in his career, and he does miss a few games here and there. But the Titans have multiple Australian schoolboys halves who've just been waiting for their chance to take that next step in their development. You've got Toby Sexton, you have Tom Weaver, you have Tana Boyd, who's been doing a great job this season. Ultimately, they may lose one of them uh, if they bring uh, someone else in. But Kieran Foran, you've seen Jaden Sullivan, oh, not Jaden Sullivan, fucking hell, Jaden Campbell playing in the halves as well at stages. And just throughout this entire roster, you have your Tinos, you have David Fafitas, your Philip Sammies, uh, Jojo Fafita, AJ Brimson. Shout out to AJ Brimson, nearly forgot him. There is so much untapped potential in this roster. And the more I think about it, and I'm sure the more Gold Coast thought about it, and the powers that be over at the Titans, I'm sure they thought about it and went, you know what? Des Hasler, he could be that guy. And we see the coaching merrier go around. There have been plenty of times where a club is looking for a coach, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but an example of this I want to give is Anthony Griffin with the Dragons. There are plenty of scenarios where a club's looking for a new coach, and they bring someone in, even my team, the Warriors, when we got Nathan Brown, and it's like it's a new coach coming in, but there's not that feeling of like, this is the guy. Anthony Griffin and Nathan Brown, from the get-go, I was always kind of like, I don't know if this is the exact right match. Despite both being great coaches, it's more about, yeah, the team and the overall balance. But when I think about, at least on paper, Des Hasler with control over the Gold Coast Titans, 
a team who they really kind of need someone to actually take that control and say, this is the direction we're heading in and you either buy in, otherwise we'll find someone else. Des Hasler's that exact guy. So if I'm a Gold Coast fan, which I'm not, but I really want to see them succeed, mixed feelings about the Justin Holbrook news, but I feel like we might be looking back at this one in hindsight and you never know. We might be saying this was the moment where Gold Coast took them from perennial strugglers. A place in Australia is the Gold Coast that just cannot seem to get a sporting franchise well and truly off the ground and thriving at like a world-class elite level. The Titans, it's always been a sleeping giant of a club. Now, when they were first founded in 2007, like those early years, they had some amazing teams. But it's been a long, long time since the Titans have truly been anywhere near premiership calculations. This might just be the move that changes the game for them. So that is massive news. Justin Holbrook out, Des Hasler in, and more to develop on that news. But Gold Coast, the team this year, belongs to Jim Lenahan. So good luck to Jim. We always love interim Jim getting into the mix. Uh, but that was the news I wanted to get into. We've also got seven games. So there's nothing else to do. We are now going to get amongst it. The NRL Round 17 Preview. Kicking off the festivities. Round 17. The Dragons. The 15th place Dragons. 15th place, but gee whiz, they're all over the news, aren't they? Ben Hunt. Bad news. Sad news. Shane Flanagan. Great news. Uh, but we like to focus on being sad. So Dragons fans are like, oh, we got a premiership caliber coach. Oh, but we're still going to be sad. We're going to decide to be sad. So you, you Dragons fans do you. Shout out to the Dragons fans that are being realistic as well. Nothing but respect for you guys. Uh, so take everything I say in this preview with a grain of salt. But to be honest, after seeing the way the Dragons fans have behaved toward Ben Hunt, who's been named to back up for Origin, who's confirmed he's going to back up from Origin, despite being in the midst of this Dragons crisis where he's just trying to get the fuck out. Uh, but he's going to play. Who knows how the fans are going to behave. But I do know, yeah, I was off Dragons fans. The way they were behaving, I was like, you know what? I expected so much better. And it's always the loud minority. Usually the ones who aren't making any noise are the ones who are the true supporters. Not that the ones who are pissed off aren't. A lot of people are true supporters, like the Mad Dragon, great example, who are really pissed off. Um, but I just feel like, yeah, there are better ways to constructively support your team. So I was kind of like, you know what, Dragons fans and Dragons organization, you're getting what you deserve. And then I saw that the Dragons next game was against my beloved Warriors. And then I was like, okay, well, there's definitely going to be bias in this preview. But I genuinely hope we flog you guys. I hope we put a score on you. But it doesn't mean we're going to. Because in this whole fiasco, there are 17 blokes who are not at fault in all of this, Ben Hunt included. 
And it's 17 of these blokes. They're lining up this weekend. None of the players in this top 30, none of the players at all are at fault. And none of the fans are at fault. It's the organization. But now, seeing the fans pointing the blame at the wrong party, I've been calling it all year. Dragons organization, an absolute mess. So yeah. But the players, they're not at fault. So yeah, I think they're going to be in for a really big game. By no means am I genuinely confident that Warriors are going to win this game. But more so than I have been any other year, I am confident that we can win it. Just given the strength of our team, we're clearly very different this year. We've built on our resilience. We're showing a lot of traits that haven't existed in past Warriors outfits. So I'm really liking the direction the club's going in. And I think it bodes well in a game like this, which is going to be tough. It's going to be physical. And there's going to be plenty of emotion out there. So I like where the Warriors are at as a team and how we kind of all be or all seem to be in one unanimous direction, which is something you cannot say about the Dragons. And now I've pinpointed Adam Fanua Blake as my X-Factor player in this game. He's someone, when I look at the Dragons pack, they're all very hard workers. Michael, Michael Moller has been impressing me a lot. Uh, ben Murdoch Masilla is a big unit. You've got DeBellin, Blake Laurie, Francis Molo, Jaden Sewer, Jack Bird. And look, I wouldn't want to tackle any of them. In fact, I'd make an absolute ass of myself even trying. Uh, but this is just a perception that I mean very respectfully. But when I look at the Dragons pack, I'm like, they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough up front. But there's no boogeyman in the Ford pack, if this makes sense. There's no guy where it's like, ah, oh, fuck. I played prop growing up. Not against fucking Francis Molo, that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, again, it's, it's not like I'm an elite level front row, which these guys are. But playing prop growing up, sometimes you look on the other side of the park and look, in junior grades, some of the big guys are the biggest fucking softies. So then you're like, sweet. I'm going to look epic for actually being able to fucking tackle this guy. But this kid, I don't know, he wants to be a video gamer or some shit. He's not looking to be the next Fui Fui Moi Moi. Uh, but then other times, you come up against these front rowers. And I've, had, I've come up against plenty. I've played open weight in New Zealand. A lot of fucking big boys there. A lot of big boys in Melbourne too. I'll tell you that much. Uh, it seems like all the small boys are playing at Australian rules football. So a, a lot of big boys. But sometimes in the front row, you just you see the guy with the number eight jersey on the opposite team. And you're just like, fucking hell. This guy's, this, the big guys, they're just certain guys, they just run riot. And for 80 minutes, they just absolutely pump you. And you're directly opposing them. So there's no shying away from them. And then the one moment you have a little bit of confidence, maybe, like I'm going to take a hit up, they come flying out and fucking crunch you. Boogeyman, as I like to call them. Well, Adam Fanua Blake is a boogeyman. When I look at the Dragons pack, I'm like, these are all tough hombres. But there's no one where I'm like, shit, these Warriors guys need to be careful or they're going to get folded badly. 
Adam Fanua Blake has all of that and more. Not only is he going to fold you, not only is he intimidating as fuck, but he's got the late footwork at the line, like the last thing you need to deal with uh, as far as a big man. He puts the late footwork on, and then all of a sudden, you know, he can free the arm, get the offload out. So he's not just an intimidator. He's not just an enforcer in an age where it's hard to enforce on the field. He's also a try scorer. He's managed to cross for a few meat pies this year. Adam Fenua Blake has a bit of everything. So that's why he's my X factor for this game. And in fact, I really like the Warriors pack here. I, I just feel like in a game like this, Dragons are going to be super fired up. They're going to come out with a response. I have no doubt about that. And ultimately, these games are won and lost in the battle of the Ford packs. So as a Warriors fan, from just a personal view on this game, I really like our pack. I think we can get the ascendancy in this one. Wade Egan, extremely creative out of dummy half. Bunty Arfor, he's actually one of my favorite Warriors. I've been following him uh, ever since he got signed. Just always loved the way he played. Jackson Ford. Now here's a player who's come through the Dragon system. Here's a player who, gee whiz, at the Dragons, he was just one of those guys who it was like, he seems like he's above New South Wales Cup level, but he can't seem to crack it at NRL level consistently for the Dragons. Now, he's been the Warriors starting back rower all season. I am a huge Jackson Ford fan. And it's just like, yeah, Dragons. There you go. Thanks, I guess. Thanks for that. Now, they'll probably give someone else Ben Hunt as well. Uh, but I'm happy to get Jackson Ford. This guy, I, I knew he was a decent player, but when he signed at the Warriors, I don't think any of us fans were thinking like, yep, he's, he's jumping straight in to the left back row position. I think maybe Bench. I don't even know if I was sure where he was in our 17. And he's starting on the back row. He's pay playing the best part of 80 minutes, week in, week out. I'm so glad he's wearing a Warriors jersey and not a Dragons one in a game like this. Murata Niakore, he's a major game changer on that edge. I think he'll do a good job of containing a player like Jack Bird. And Torhu Harris, similar to Adam Fanua Blake, except without being... So much known for his intimidation factor, but more so just his work ethic. The captain, Torhu Harris, gets through all the tough stuff, but like Adam and how he brings the late footwork to the line and an offload ability to create second phase play, Torhu Harris, the ball playing in the middle, and we've seen Sean Johnson, obviously, in career best form, but there are a lot of little cogs to this machine that allow guys like Sean to be playing their best football and Torhu Harris in the middle because he runs so often you have to be ready to tackle him but then quite often he'll either pass it directly to the guy next to him who'll run into the line or he'll drop it back and it goes to a Metcalf or a Johnson and the Warriors can play off the back of that so Torhu Harris a lot of what he does is unspoken. I think if he was playing like this for the Roosters, or obviously when he was at the Storm, uh, he's just a lot more 
in the general focus. But Toru Harris, there are just so many things he does. And now the Warriors are finally lifting. Because Toru's been one of those players, like a Simon Mannering, who has just given so much of their body. Like, there is going to be some stage when Toru is in his 60s or something like that, and he's like, ah, oh, my fucking knee. And it's, you know, there's gonna, there are going to be pains he carries for the rest of his life, much like Simon Mannering and many others uh, have played this game. And it's going to be from just like, yeah, all this effort getting the Warriors on his back. And for so long, someone like Torhu hadn't been rewarded because the Warriors were struggling. We were never really contending for finals. So it's like he's putting his body through so much. Now we are finally seeing the fruits of his labor. And it's a credit to everyone else in the side as well, who are lifting up to Torhu's level, essentially. And again, he's the captain. So that's another real unspoken characteristic is that ability to, to be able to rally the troops and bring them up to that world-class level because that's what the Warriors need to be competing for premierships, which obviously a long shot this year, but we're still competing for the premiership, more so than we have in years. So I'm just happy to be here. Dylan Walker is another game changer for me off the bench, adds a lot of that same ball playing uh, that Torhu does. I've also been hugely impressed. Obviously, I've watched Dylan Walker his whole career, but you watch a player a bit differently when they're playing for your team. His defense has been awesome, and he's nowhere near the same body shape or size as Adenfenor Blake or your Bunty Afoas or your Torhu Harris's. He's played centers. He's a premiership winning center. He's played 5'8". He's played fullback. So he's a totally different shape and size and that brings a, a new set of skills as well. So when he comes off the bench, it, it totally changes the game, in my opinion, for us. Josh Curran is awesome as well. Uh, but of course, there is everything going on over at the Dragons as well. Uh, the Ben Hunt situation, I don't want to spend too long talking about it. We'll see. He needs to sit down with the Dragons. He's probably only just getting out of Origin Camp, so it's wait and see. Uh, but I'm just, I'm an optimistic guy. I really am. So, yeah, Dragons fans, it's not all fucking doom and gloom. You've actually got Jaden Sullivan and Talatau Amon, both of whom are playing in this game tonight. And they look like they could be the future of the club. And it looks like you guys are going to be near last place, if not last place this year, respectfully. Next year, I've seen a lot of the fans blowing up. Allah, next year's already written off. Well, okay, let's take that glass half empty approach and say, okay, if next season is written off and this season's pretty much fucked, Ben Hunt is what, like 34, somewhere around that age? So by the time he's 36, if it's two years of the club just being fucked, yeah, not that fun. Not that it's about fun. If the next two years are fucked, why not play Jaden Sullivan and Teletail Moan? And it's like, okay, well, we're not even expected to play finals football. And if it's two years of being fucked, or the rest of this one and next, well, who knows, maybe 2025, Jaden Sullivan and Teletail Moan, they'll have confidence They'll have runs on the board. They'll have time with this Dragons team 
and Shane Flanagan can build around them, especially at this stage where they have a lot of potential, but neither of them are like commanding like a million dollar contract or anything like that. So if you do release Ben Hunt, you free up a million in the cap. Let's say you get some backup half who is maybe just a bit experienced or something. But if you go with Sullivan and Amon, who coming through the juniors have shown all the right signs, you can spend that million dollars elsewhere. Shane Flanagan, who is a master at recruitment and building a premiership side, that million dollars, it doesn't have to be spent on one player. Maybe it could be spent on two highly quality players. So we'll have to see what way they go. But yeah, I really don't think it's all doom and gloom. Shane Flanagan is an excellent coach. Pre-Andrew Webster, basically, I'm super happy now with Andrew Webster as the Warriors coach. But when we were looking for a coach, I would have been stoked with Shane Flanagan. So the Dragons have got themselves a great coach. And that's an area where they seem to have been lacking for the longest time now, ever since Wayne Bennett left, essentially. So they've got the coach. And it's not like Ben Hunt's leaving and there's absolutely no one. It's like, oh my goodness, who the fuck are we going to pick? Yes, there are a shortage of genuine world-class halfbacks, which Ben Hunt is. But Jaden Sullivan, Tullatel Lamone, why not just take a risk for once on the young guys and give them a crack? Because one of them, if not both of them, in a couple of years, they could be world-class themselves. But how are we going to know if they don't get any game time? And it could be the flip side, where, you know, if Ben Hunt didn't request his release and he does say, uh, stay, then let's say Jaden Sullivan, he ends up going elsewhere and kills it, goes to another club and starts playing fully to his potential. Then Dragon Sands will probably fucking burn pictures of him and turn against him as well. Uh, but then if that happens, you know, people would be like, oh, in hindsight, maybe we shouldn't have kept Ben Hunt despite him being the better player and option at the time. Well, now Jaden Sullivan's killing it, and he's still got another 10 years. So, yeah, let's just be a little bit more positive, Dragons fans. Uh, But as for tonight, I hope we flog you. I really do, after the way Ben Hunt's been treated in the last week or so. And I'm confident here in the Warriors. I do want to quickly pull up the stat attack, I think, Dragons have had our number. Well, that's the way I just feel as a fan, but I want to just quickly check the numbers. The Dragons have won their past three games against the Warriors, according to NRL.com. Warriors have won only one of their past 11 games at Wynn Stadium. The thing is, though, this is a different Warriors. This is also a different Dragons. This is a very different Dragons. And their fans, yeah, even if their fans pack out the stadium, right now, their fans are exuding shit vibes. So I don't think it's going to drive the team on to do anything special. In fact, their best player and best chance of winning this game, Ben Hunt, he might run out at home at Wynn Stadium having people in Dragons jerseys being saying, fuck you. So, yeah, exuding shit vibes right now, I'm sure will be Wynn Stadium, and the Warriors are doing anything but 
Our fans would never turn on a player like that. And I'm not even trying to be high and mighty. It's just like, be realistic, for goodness sake. So Warriors, we're on a mission. Right now we're in a decent part of the ladder. We cannot afford to lose this game. Dragons have had our number, and there is definitely bias in my pick here. Uh, but I think Warriors, I think we can travel to Wynn Stadium. And I tell you what, I highly doubt on the flight over, on the bus, or any time training up to this game, that the Warriors have really in-depth been like, we need to break the Wynn Stadium curse. I don't think they give much of a fuck. I certainly don't. I'm not like, oh, we have to go to Wynn Stadium. So yeah, despite the poor record, this is a different team. Andrew Webster made a comment in the preseason about how there are so many new signings alongside the talent that we already had. And Webster said there is a difference. This is a team of winners. And that was preseason, so I was like, I'm going to wait and see on that. I've seen enough this year. I love what I'm seeing. But as a Warriors fan, I want to see more. And I certainly don't want to see us lose to the Dragons. Not right now. They're, I would rather lose to anyone else. So I'm locking in the first pick of the evening. Why am I doing it? Because Wynn Stadium is going to exude shit vibes. The best player for the Dragons is probably going to be getting cursed out by the home crowd. So cancel out the home crowd advantage. And I think let's book in, maybe for myself, uh, some September flight action. Maybe to Sydney. I'm not saying grand final. I'm just saying Warriors. We're looking top eight like. We're looking and feeling very top eight at the moment. And that's my standard. As a, like a Warriors fan, that's my standard. I'm not coming into seasons expecting to win premierships, but I'm like, give me some finals footy action, please. We've had one game in finals, which we lost, since the 2011 grand final. That was the year after Dragons won the premiership. That's to let you know how fucking long that was ago. So I'm just craving finals footy. And I don't want the dragons of all teams to be the ones that put a hitch in that plan. So let's see how we go. This is very much a personal pick, obviously. But this one, I think even if I was a neutral fan, I wouldn't go near the dragons. Close game, potentially. St. George, I have no problem with the players. I think they're going to be up for a big game. I just think the Warriors up for a bigger one. New Zealand over the Dragons, on to Super Saturday. The excitement, wow, the excitement, it just never stops. Saturday, 3pm, Sunshine Coast Stadium, shout out to the Sunshine Coast, used to live there, fucking lovely, lovely part of the world. Sunshine Coast Stadium, I actually have some good memories there, obviously not about me, and I even played my junior footy, at least on the Sunshine Coast, literally directly next, on the field directly next to Sunshine Coast Stadium. Fortunately, I didn't play my junior footy at Sunshine Coast Stadium. I don't know if there was a huge stadium demand for under-15s Bs, but yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We got, nearly got to play at the stadium once. 
Uh, shout out to Beerwa Bulldogs, who were like, nah, just made us play at the regular park, you dogs. I guess they are called the Bulldogs, so that makes sense. Uh, Sunshine Coast Stadium, 10th placed Dolphins. Had been having a huge run so far this season, and had been in the 8 for most of the year. Now sitting 10th, kind of finding themselves at that crossroads moment. And everyone's going to forgive them if they don't end up making finals, but the feeling within the camp over at the Dolphins is that they should be playing finals this year and that they can. They have every belief that they can. And I'll tell you what, if they want to win and want to play finals, this could be one of the exact games that is the difference between top eight or no top eight because they are playing a team who had an awful start to the year but are now charging into this game on the back of four consecutive victories. The eighth placed, now sitting in finals territory, the very territory that the Dolphins held down for this first section of the season. The eighth placed Parramatta Eels, fueled by a grand final loss last year. And for many stages of 2023, it just looked like they weren't going to get a chance to go one better this year. They now sit eighth. They could come in and achieve five straight wins here, and all of a sudden, Parramatta are off to the races. They lose, and Dolphins could be the ones that take that spot. So this is a huge game. Massive finals implications tied into this one. On the Sunshine Coast, doesn't get much better than this. Uh, now, I just wrote some notes in my phone. I didn't put them in any particular order uh, or any great detail. So I'll rattle them off, and then I'll get to my pick for this game. Our uh, first thing I wrote down, Valence Tefare, named in the centers. This kid's an absolute gun. I think we already know that already, uh, but this year is going to be great for his development. It's looking likely Brenko Lee, supposedly off to the Wigan Warriors in the Super League next year. Uh, so that opens up space for their new signing. Jake Avarillo from the Bulldogs, a player who I rate very highly. A player who unfortunately, like he was played out of position for a lot of his time at the Bulldogs. Killing it in the centers. And when you consider that Herbie Farnworth has also signed, and has basically said, I'm not looking anymore so much so to play fullback. Herbie Farnworth, Jake Avarillo in the centers, with Valence Tefare, who is gaining very valuable experience as we speak, day to day. Uh, he'll be the next man up, I believe, Tefare, but that starting combination has final series written all over it. So Dolphins are going from strength to strength, and shout out here to Bulldogs fans. Haven't seen anyone burning Jake Avarillo's jersey. I've seen a lot of Bulldogs fans very, very disappointed and very upset to be losing someone of Jake's caliber. Uh, but I certainly haven't seen any Dragons vibes. So credit to you Bulldogs fans for handling a tough loss uh, with dignity, I guess. And yeah, it is a tough loss, but also consider Bulldogs fans that the centers, Jake Avarillo would be commanding a bit of coin, a phenomenal player, 
but you might just be able to find someone within those Bulldogs ranks who can play centers, isn't going to cost too much, and that money can be spent potentially in areas that will have more relevancy to the Bulldogs becoming a premiership threat. So again, there's always a silver lining with these situations. It would be sucky for Dogs fans to be losing Jake Avarillo, uh, but let's just see how it plays out. Huge shining for the Dolphins, though. Uh, Hamaso Tabuifito, want to give him a quick shout-out. I'm giving a lot of shout-outs today. Uh, but the Hammer, now a Queensland series winner, played a vital role, and he's been unbelievable at fullback for the Dolphins. Seems like he's going to be the guy long-term. You'll have Farnworth, Avarillo in the centres next year. Things are looking up. Then on the wings, two players uh, at different points in their careers that I want to give a big rap to. Oh, excuse me, my throat just went out a bit there. Uh, Jermaine Azarko, in career best form. I actually have him as my most improved player this season. Not that this talent wasn't always there. He was great when he burst onto the scene. He was a junior Kiwis representative, played 5'8". Came through the Tigers system, actually, a fair few years ago now. But last year, following a stint at the Broncos where he clearly wasn't the guy to be playing fullback, he goes over to the Titans. He's really struggling to even break in to the first grade team. Fast forward to 2023 at the Dolphins under the super coach Wayne Bennett. Jermaine Azarko might just be the inform winger of this entire competition. Unbelievably so. He plays for the Dolphins. If he was a Queenslander, he may have been playing in the Origin series this year. He is, amongst the entire competition, in my opinion, the most improved this year. Yes, this talent hasn't just come overnight. It's always been here. And a lot of this credit must go to Wayne Bennett. And same as like the whole coaching staff. And Christian Wolfe, who coaches Tonga. Uh, Jermaine Azarko, not Tongan. I believe he's Kiwi Samoan. Uh, but Christian Wolfe has a proven track record of getting the best out of these Pacific Island players, which is another concept that isn't spoken about widely with the Dolphins. Uh, but Jermaine Azarko, under Wayne Bennett, Christian Wolfe, and just with this whole team around him, he's playing phenomenal football. On the other wing, my one to watch... I'm pretty sure this is his NRL debut. He's been around the traps a bit. Braden McGrady, a very, very talented winger. Last year, watching him at Queensland Cup level, it was pretty clear it's about time this guy gets a crack playing in the NRL. Uh, now, I'm just pulling this from my brain, so I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Braden came through the Penrith Panthers system, so another talented junior from the production line, spent a bit of time in the Queensland Cup, had been playing at the North's Devils, who were back-to-back -back Q Cup premiers, and have just signed a deal to become an affiliate club of the Dolphins. So North's Devils for the longest time associated with the Broncos, now forming a partnership with the Dolphins. Braden McGrady, fucking hell, that was the poorest way to say his name. Braden McGrady, he has a lot of talent. I'm really excited 
to see him make his debut here. And it was just clear, playing at cup level, I think he's ready for a shot at the big time. He signed this year with the Redcliffe Dolphins in the Q Cup. So obviously, you know, he did the training trial. The Dolphins were having a bit of a look at him. I think he's ready. And that's what I'm going to be play, paying a close eye on during this game is Braden McGrady, McGrady, his name. I need to play pay a close eye on his fucking name. Such an easy name too. But Braden McGrady, he's a talented fella. So keep an eye out for him. What's at stake in this one? Finals implications. Like I mentioned, come September, this game, this two points, in a congested competition as competitive as ever, the two points on the line in this game could be what decides one of these teams playing finals and one missing out. So everything is at stake here. As far as the entire season, this to date is the biggest game in both clubs' season, which makes it the biggest game in Dolphins' history. My point of difference in this game Whilst there's plenty on the Eels side of the park, your Ryan Mattisons, your Bryce Cartwrights, my point of difference in this one is Jeremy Marshall King, yet another player who's just taken his game to the next level under Wayne Bennett. He's not someone in the preview for this game that we're all kind of looking at or talking about as much. Jeremy Marshall King, not a player who traditionally takes up a lot of media spotlight. He gets his raps, most definitely. He's still underrated, I think we'd say, but does get rated by many as well. He's not slept on by any means. But I just think Jeremy Marshall King, he's not in the spotlight. And the Eels, they'll be paying attention to a lot of other guys like Hammer, uh, Katoa, and things like that. And I think a real point of difference that could swing it in the Dolphins' favour is Jeremy Marshall King from Dummy Half. Got a couple more notes. Uh, Josh Kerr, he's come straight over from the Dragons. He was like, hey, Ben Hunt, that's a good idea. I might also request an immediate release. Josh Kerr, actually a Redcliffe Dolphins junior. Uh, He'd already signed for next year anyway. And this is awesome from a Dolphins perspective. Josh Kerr, They've been hit a little bit by injuries, and when you look at the Dolphins' roster and maybe what they could do with right now, uh, someone that can play in the middle can also fill in on the edge, Josh Kerr. He's someone as well who probably won't take up a lot of talking points this year, but he has potential to be one of the real cult heroes and leaders at the Dolphins. I think he has a bit about him. And of course, yeah, he wasn't exactly this star player at the Dragons, but another great example, Jackson Ford from the Warriors. I think Josh Kerr can be another guy that leaves that Dragon system, and then in a couple of years, we're like, holy shit. I think he'll be firmly in the origin frame. I think he'll be one of the senior players at the Dolphins. And I think Dragons fans might just end up saying, ah, shit, where the hell was that for most of the time? At the Dragons. Max Plath on the bench as well. They just signed him. I think he was in the Broncos system. And his father played NRL. Uh, Max Plath. Plays a bit of lock forward in the middle. Can play dummy half. Can play in the halves. I like it. He just sounds like a footballer. 
I haven't seen tons of him, but he sounds like a footballer. So came to see more of him. Uh, Eels, four straight wins. Dolphins, uh, they're probably in a bit of a lower point of form at this point in the season. Uh, but it's up to them to turn it around. And with the Sunshine Coast backing them on, they're every chance here. It's all on the line. And I know one thing for sure. Both these sides want to be playing finals football. On this run that Para have been on, there have been a lot of stars. Mitch Moses, uh, who I'll get to in a moment. But the, over the last two games, King Gutho has been in freakish form. All that chat earlier in the year of Game Breaker, X Factor, that they were looking for that. You have that in Clint Gutherson. And if he continues on this trajectory, Eels, it's hard to get a read. It always is, year to year, on like where exactly are the Eagles at? They could be anywhere between like finishing 13th, 14th, and winning the Premiership. So it's like, yeah, like they could come out and put 70 on the Dolphins here, and it's still like, yeah, I still don't know. I'm still not 100% sure on Parramatta Eels. I won't know, and we won't know, if this team can win a premiership until they actually do. That's just the kind of vibe I get from Para. Jermaine Hopgood though, I tell you what, what a signing, what an addition. And now that Para are back in the finals frame, ooh, Eels fans must be getting excited because Hopgood has that finals-like intensity about him every single game. He brings the defense, He's a guy that is just begging to be selected in these huge games with high stakes because that's when he plays the best. Hopgood as well, don't quote me, uh, but he was a Calandra Sharks junior, I believe, which is on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, it just makes me kind of think as someone who played against the Calandra Sharks. Fucking hell. Sorry for my language. Uh, flipping heck. I'm glad I didn't have to play against Jermaine Hopgood. He's just been crunching me. I'd have been like, uh, I'd, like, I'm a huge fan of his now, but if I probably grew up playing him, I'd probably see him come on TV and be like, my fucking ribs hurt. Someone, well, sorry, spinning my chair. Someone else who also was just a bit younger than me, so I didn't have to play against him. Tino Fasua Malahawe. Going back to what I said earlier about like playing in the front row and seeing a guy on the opposite team and just being like, oh my gosh. Tino Fasua Malahawe. So thank my stars every day. Didn't have to face these guys. But of course, this game being played on the Sunshine Coast. So Jermaine Hopgood, I'd say there'll probably be a big fan club for him there. And he'll be in for another massive game. As far as Para, I've spoke a bit about the Dolphins. Uh, but for Parramatta, my focus is on their halves. The whole Dylan Brown thing, I don't even want to get into. But far out. What a time to kind of just let the team down. I'm not sure exactly what happened and the specifics of it, but he's not available now. They, could, they needed him, essentially. But Dejan Arce came through the Cowboys system, spent some time at my beloved Warriors. He's getting the chance, and I like it a lot. I think Dejan Arce has a ton of potential. And Dylan Brown, if he's not going to be available, well, Arce... He has some pretty great qualities about him himself. And given how much money Brown and Moses are on collectively, it's just not realistic to expect the Eels to have an absolute superstar as the next guy up in the halves. 
So Dejan Arce, for a guy who I'd say would be on close to minimum wage, I reckon he has a bit of superstar about him. I really do. So this could end up being a great decision for the Eels to be picking him in the halves alongside Moses. And with Brown letting himself and the team down, well, Arce, from what I saw at the Warriors, he's not going to let anyone down. So alongside Mitchell Moses, I think they've just got to lock it in and say, we don't know when we get Dylan Brown back. Here's the keys. Mitch Moses, clearly this is your team. Dejan Arce, you're not Dylan Brown, but you can actually play a similar role. He has some very great skills that are just waiting to be displayed at first grade level. You've also got the origin factor, Hamaso Tabuai Fido backing up Junior Paolo, and Mitch Moses, uh, I assume, is going to back up. Got to wonder where his head's at. I'm a fan of Mitch. I will say, like, I'm sure there's going to be, I've kind of tuned out from, like, the general public's origin thoughts, if that makes sense. I'm just like, I'm sure Mitch Moses, there's heaps of talk about his performance and his selection there. But I don't think the halfback would have made a huge difference. Certainly not like a 32 to 6 difference, enough to stop Queensland in that game regardless. Uh, but Mitch Moses, now there's a lot of pressure on him. He is without Dylan Brown. He has to come back to the Eels. And given where Para are at, he can't really afford to not back up here and just say, okay, Origin was hectic, super draining. Let me just come back next week and we'll get back on to this premiership hunt. But Eels can't afford to lose. So Mitch Moses now, look, I don't know him at all personally, but if I had to guess, I would say he's fizzing to get out there. I would say he's very upset, disappointed, pissed off at how Wednesday night went. But ultimately, despite his love for his state of New South Wales, his daily grind... His ultimate job is to win a premiership with the Eels. So now he is going to hone in and I think he's going to be able to put a tough night behind him and come out and lead this side, this Eels side, potentially to their fifth straight win. So it doesn't get much bigger than this as far as their seasons, as far as finals implications. And I'm going with the underdogs, the Dolphins, there is a bit of bias in this pick as well, given the Sunshine Coast factor, uh, but it's a beautiful stadium. I've loved what the Dolphins are putting out there. Eels have been looking great, but that's the thing with the Eels. Sometimes they look great, and you think they're going to go great, and then they just, they don't. So that's a great test. Are we going to see the typical kind of Eels, fantastic for periods of time, and then inconsistent at others? Or are they going to start really solidifying themselves in this premiership race? A lot of questions to be answered and not a lot of science behind this pick here. But we are going to lock it in at Sunshine Coast Stadium. The Dolphins to get it done over the Parramatta Eels. Next on Super Saturday... The second-placed Panthers, who right now, as the benchmark, tell you what, they're getting a bit of a run for their money by a very, very exciting Broncos side. 
that is beginning to emerge. So the second placed Panthers, still the team to beat, but with some very stiff competition amongst the rest of the league. The gap, at the very least, has closed a little bit uh, over the last couple of seasons. So now the competition closer than ever. Panthers still the team to beat against a 14th placed Knights side who, in my opinion, have offered so much more than their position on the ladder would reflect. They pushed this Broncos side that I just spoke about to the limit, only just lost. They pushed this Penrith Panthers outfit to Golden Point. They looked to have the game won, but unfortunately, they lost. They went up against the Knights. Oh, not the Knights. They are the Knights, for goodness sake. Newcastle took on the Roosters, who despite their form this year, are also one of the best teams in the competition, making them also automatically one of the best teams in the world. Knights have shown they can compete with the best teams in the world. They're just struggling to get the results. And unfortunately, that's going to be what holds them back from playing finals this year. But the Knights, they get another crack at it. They get another shot at beating the Panthers. And last time out, it was Nathan Cleary off his own boot that got the Panthers home. This time around, no Nathan Cleary. Jack Cogger, a former Newcastle Knight who came through that very system and whose development was probably hampered by where the Knights were at at that time. Had a pretty unfulfilling stint at the Bulldogs. Then Cogger goes over to Huddersfield. Now, on the back of his form lately for the Panthers, let's talk the Tigers and a few other sides might be interested in Mr. Jack Cogger's services. Uh, so it's a great time to be Jack Cogger, I would assume. And he's going to have a point to prove up against his former side. Panthers last weekend, well, they had that close, close golden point loss up against the Cowboys. Of course, they were without their origin stars, who they will have back for this game, on the back of a series loss. So you better believe your Stephen Crichtons, your Brian Toos, your Isaiah Yos, and especially your Jerome Luais, they are going to be fired up for a big game here. Uh, now, yeah, I spoke about Luai, Koga, Cleary. There's a lot of other Jerome Luai stuff going on. He did make a post on social media, which is gathering a bit of steam. But I'm just like, ah, whatever. I, I like Jerome Luai. And the social media stuff, it's like, oh my gosh. Social media is not real, really. So it's just like, whatever. What he posted wasn't outrageously offensive. It might be offensive if I was in like a different line of work or had a different lifestyle. He essentially was just like apparently replying to death threats as well. So like who's the real fuckwits here? Probably the one sending death threats. But he just made a post, all you idiots have to go to work tomorrow, which I can see <clears throat> there's a time and a place for that kind of thing. Why people didn't like that. But it's just like, oh my gosh, who fucking cares? It's Instagram. So we move on. It's only Instagram, people. Let's just like lighten up a little bit, please. 
That's the thing, I'm going on Instagram and it's not the place to lighten up. I'm like, oh, what's going on on the feed? My personal one on my actual Instagram is chill, it's all friends and things. But on the podcast one, it's like I switch on the Instagram. First post, got mad dragons being like, fuck Ben Hunt, all this negativity. Uh, then like, yeah, all this Luai stuff. Who cares? Lighten up. It's only, it's only social media. For goodness sake. Uh, but yeah, as far as this game, there aren't heaps of talking points. Most of the focus on the Panthers, given their relevancy to the Premiership stakes, whilst the Knights have probably ruled themselves out of the final series. And it's getting to about that point of the season now, uh, where you've got to start drawing motivation, even though finals are starting to kind of slip out of your grasp. As far as the game itself though, uh, there are a lot of battles across the park that I'm very intrigued to see how they play out. Most notably, the battle in the front row. Uh, the Saifiti twins, they pack a ton of punch for Newcastle, whilst they've also got someone like Leo Thompson, who has been much improved this year. Someone that not a lot of us are talking about, uh, but if I was a Knights fan, I'd be really happy with the output from young Leo Thompson. They've got Matt Croker on the bench and Jack Hetherington, who, to be honest, I thought could have had a bigger role to play for this team. But yeah, he's someone, he's a live wire and also a Panthers junior. So he'll be up for a big one. Uh, Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris. Back-to-back premiership winning combination. That is your front row right there. Uh, but then you have Lindsay Smith and Spencer Lanier as well. So I think this game, it's going to be very physical. It's going to be intense. And I'm leaning toward Penrith just based on history of Moses Leota, James Fisher-Harris. When they line up, up front for the Panthers, Penrith, they don't very often lose. My X factor, though, for this game, I've gone with the Panthers' defense. That ultimately is what is winning them premierships. And in a game where we know that points will be scored, uh, at least on the Penrith side, this could come down to defence. And again, that's another thing that leans me big time toward the defending Premiers. You also have Dylan Edwards. He is so important to the side. Uh, it gets through a mountain of work. And that helps your James Fisher-Harris's, your Moses Leota, because uh, they're not having to use all their energy just trying to go forward. Dylan Edwards, he helps them out so much and so much unspoken work from young. I guess he's still young. No offense, love Dylan Edwards, uh, but his hairline starting to not look that young. Uh, but I'm a huge Dylan Edwards fan. Sorry, I don't know. I know you can't fat shame people and shit these days, which is cool. I'm fucking fine with that. I'm just, I don't know if you can hair shame people. Um, I might get canceled for that, so... Yeah, this could be the last time you hear from me. I don't know if you can hair shame people. Sorry, Dylan Edwards, if I've just been very unethical by hair shaming you. Um, but amazing player. Amazing player. And yeah, he has such a huge role to play in this game. And he's not going directly head-to-head with Callan Ponga. Uh, but both, both fullbacks definitely going to have a huge contribution to the result here. And Knights, yeah, look, they can show us that they can compete with the best sides. It's more so that they just can't close out the results. 
A couple of things I wrote down in my notes though that I am liking from the Knights. Dylan Lucas, last round, my rising star nomination, came through the grades as a center, uh, but in the back row last week, defensively, unbelievable. I think it was something like 52 tackles, only one miss. So with Lachlan Fitzgibber, uh, Fitzgibber, there's a new player for you, uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon, rumored to be on the way out. Dylan Lucas, here's a player who I don't imagine would be costing a ton, who is playing well above his pay packet. That is always good to have in the team. Adam Elliott, another player whose season has kind of been a little bit stop-start, but looking more in the bigger picture for the Knights, uh, he is a massive piece of the puzzle. I think Newcastle have got the right guy uh, as far as their 13 selection. And my biggest thing I think that has held the Knights back this year uh, from maybe being able to win these close games against top sides, Jaden Braley, out for the season again, is so rough. No, for no one more than Jaden Braley himself. Like, I really feel for the guy. Uh, but as far as his talent, Jaden Braley, like, he is the right guy to be the Knights' number nine. If they can get him out on the park, they have their number nine, which is such a crucial part of a team. No one touches the ball more than the dummy half. And to not have Jaden Braley over quite a long period of his time now at the Knights, and more specifically this year, it hurts a lot. Like, we're seeing Felix, Phoenix, Felix Crossland. I'm just making players up now. Fucking hell. Phoenix Crossland. Uh, he isn't really putting any uh, a foot wrong at all. But Jaden Braley, I think that loss is really hurting the Knights right now. One thing they also have right, though, and two players who aren't injured, I can't speak English. This is actually ridiculous. Uh, they're halves. Tyson Gamble, Jackson Hastings. Not only do they combine very well together, not only has the Knights' best form this year been when those two are in the halves, but these are two players to their core who, if I'm imagining Two halves who just say, I don't give a shit about what Penrith have done. Maybe they respect what Penrith have done, but they are not going to back down. If I'm picking two halves who are not going to back down from this challenge, Tyson Gamble, as tenacious as they come, with shit talk for days, and Jackson Hastings, with bucket loads of talent, but now so much perspective as well. He's experienced a lot of adversity, some highs, but he's also gone through plenty of lows. And now it's this mix of the talent that has always been there for a once prodigious talent with the mix of experience now. Jackson Hastings in the seven for the Knights. I love it. Tyson Gamble alongside him. I think, I think it's the combination. So Knights... I wonder if they're going to go with that long term, but if I'm picking a halves combination who are not going to back down from this Penrith challenge, it's Gamble and Hastings. Up against Luai and Jack Cogger, who I think are going to be in for a massive game. Of course, Luai just coming off all the origin blowback, whilst Jack Cogger, there's a bit of interest around the NRL now, and he's starting to think, well, I have some options. 
maybe I can go to another club and be a halfback at NRL level consistently. And it's like, oh, well, what's option B? I can stay at the back-to-back premiers, play when Nathan Cleary's not playing. If he's injured during final series, I might just win a premiership here. If not, even if I'm playing reserve grade, I'm at the absolute best destination to progress my career. So it's a great time to be Jack Cogger. Maybe not so much for Jerome Luai, but I expect a big game out of both sets of halves. In all of this mix-up as well, positionally for the Knights, uh, with their halves sorted, that means once again the Kalimponga experiment at 5-8 is over. We're seeing the fruits of that. He's playing very well at fullback. But interestingly, Lachlan Miller, who's in my Supercoach draft side, so this is dicking me around a little bit. Lachlan Miller, left out in the cold. What's all that about? I guess that's a wait and see. And just lastly, I said there are a few things that swing me uh, in favor of the Panthers for this game. And I'm actually, the biggest thing that I'm going to pinpoint is their bench. I think the game changer here is coming off the pine for the Panthers. 14, 15, 16, and number 17. These four guys, I think, will all turn the game when they enter the fray. Sonny Luke in the 14. Uh, I know I'm not alone in saying it's great to finally see his minutes being lifted on the field because Panthers, Mitch Kenny, I'm a huge fan of. But when you think of Panthers at their absolute peak, we're thinking Api Coruscant, this creativity, the spark, the X factor out of acting half, which Mitch Kenny is not Api Coruscant. He brings his own set of strengths, uh, which also includes playing in the middle of the park. So Mitch Kenny can stay on. He's a tackling machine. Sonny Luke is the one who has that Api-like creativity and game-breaking ability. So there's a game-breaker right there coming off the bench who can totally change the momentum of this contest. Then you have Lindsay Smith, Spencer Lanier. Spencer Lanier, I think it's no secret what a huge role he's played uh, for a couple of years now. Coming off the bench, you have Fisher-Harris and Leota starting, as I mentioned, uh, but the Panthers don't lose anything when Spencer Lanier enters the mix. The only thing with that is that he's off to the Roosters next year. So Panthers, once again, they look from within. They look to these players that they have developed themselves at their own facilities, off the back of everyone there involved, from players, fans, staff, supporting staff, even just people fucking changing the most basic of things around the facilities. They are developing their own out at Penrith. And when a Spencer Lanier leaves, well, at a club like, for example, sorry, Dragons fans, the Dragons, it's doom and gloom. We've lost this amazing player. I look at the Panthers, Lindsay Smith, Jersey 15. He is just ready, based on his performances this year alone, and watching him develop through the grades. Lindsay Smith can slot straight into that role. You're not going to have to pay him anywhere near as much as you'd have to pay Lanier to stay. And this is the perfect example of a system that over a sustained period now is clearly working for Penrith. And look, it can't just be one player that steps up. So Lindsay Smith will have a role to play. But you also have Matt Eisenhuth, 
so experienced. And you have someone like Liam Henry, uh, who we saw last weekend. If you haven't seen much of Liam Henry, this is another front rower uh, who has first grade written all over him. A big talking point this year was Panthers starting to lose players. Niwai Puru, uh, they've lost Liam Ison as well. Some young players to the Sharks. They lost Isaiah Katoa, Mason Teague to the Panthers. They lost Hohepapuru. And these are all players that you may not have heard of. But it was starting to be like, okay, these young talented Panthers players are being identified and they're being told. Panthers, their 17 is pretty much locked in. So it's like if you want to play first grade, it was starting to become like maybe you leave the Panthers. Well, now the ones who are staying, the spots are opening up for them. And Liam Henry is such a gun front rower. Uh, but Lindsay Smith, he's the one coming off the bench here. They still have Lanier as well. You want to talk about game changes in the middle? There's another one right there. And then Jamin Salmon in the number 17. Had an awesome game at 5'8 last weekend. Can play 5'8, can play in the centers, can play in the back row. Has that utility value, and he has entrenched himself in this Panthers' best 17. Something he wasn't able to do at the Eels during his time there. And of course, Salmon coming through uh, at the Cronulla Sharks as a junior. So he's at the Panthers now, and I just love that bench. You've got two guys who, look, all their business is just mixing it up in the front. In the front? <laughs> that sounded a bit wrong. Uh, in the middle of the park, in the front row, in Smith and Lanier. You've got Sonny Luke, who, like I mentioned, has those game-breaking qualities. And then you have Jamin Salmon, who I think is in career best form, and you can play him in a few different spots. Uh, so I think the bench, ultimately, they're all going to make an impact, and there are just too many signs for me to go against the Panthers here. But of course, we only have to cast our minds back to this season to see that Newcastle, they're capable of pushing the Panthers all the way. And last time, it was Nathan Cleary who got the W. He's not there now. This is going to be a great game on Saturday, but I cannot go past the back-to-back -back reigning defending premiers. Penrith Panthers to get it done. And after the way Origin went down and some pretty pissed off Blues, I think Panthers not only get it done, I think they get it done well. Onto a game between two teams who just quite simply don't like each other. The third placed Melbourne Storm up against a team that has actually beaten them earlier this season in the Manly Seagulls who sit 12th place. They were in the eight last week, I believe, or right outside. Now they sit in 12th. Seagulls, there is a lot that needs to be done if they want to be playing in the finals this year. They are missing Jake Trebojevic badly. And now, in what seems like it's going to be for the rest of the season, they're missing Tom Trebojevic. Seemingly manly season, hanging on by a thread, making this a must-win occasion at Amy Park in Melbourne. Now I'm just going to look through the teams. I'll start with the away side in the Seagulls. K.O. Weeks at fullback. Very talented young kid. And with the Tom Trebojevic news breaking, maybe it's just a good time 
to give KO some runs on the board. On the wings, Jason Saab and Christian Tuipilotu. Centres, Ruben Garrick, ultimate talent, and Tolu Kola. In the halves, Josh Schuster, going to need a big game from him, are the Seagulls, and captain Daly Cherry Evans, named to back up after successfully leading the Queensland Maroons to back-to-back Origin Series wins. You have Taniela Paseca, Lachlan Croker, and Toff Sipley up front. On the edges, Ethan Bullimore, Hamoli Olikawatu, at lock forward, Sean Kepi, and on the bench for the Seagulls side, Carl Lawton, Josh Alloway, Aaron Woods, and Ben Condon. Condon. Don. Uh, anyway, the Melbourne Storm side, Nick Meany. What a role he's playing this year, and he could be rewarded, you never know, with a grand final run as the Storm fullback. Still a long way to go, but the Storm are right in contention, and so far, Nick Meany has been an integral part of that success. On the wings, Xavier Coates backing up from Queensland's series win on Wednesday night, and Will Warbrick, can't speak English, me, not him, Uh, Will Warbrick. We're only just scratching the surface with Will. His first season in the NRL, there is more to come. I think Storm found yet another guy, like when they picked Vunivalu and a couple of others. They just have an eye for these guys. Will Warbrick. He is fast becoming a fan favourite down here in Melbourne. In the centres, Kiwi International, Remus Smith. PNG International, Justin Olam. In the halves, Cameron Munster, the man. He's backing up. Uh, after the Queensland series win. And now, with the Queensland series win wrapped up, well, Cameron Munster's going to turn his attention to a Melbourne Storm Premiership push, alongside his halves partner, who's coming off his best game of the season, Jerome Hughes. Here's an interesting one as well in the forwards. Tom Eisenhuth, named at prop. Nelson Asofa Solomona, named in the back row. Now, this year... Nelson, the Storm have needed him more than ever, with no Bromwich brothers, no Felice, no Hectic Cheese, and we're only just seeing this kind of new era at the Melbourne Storm. We're starting to see your Bronson Garlics emerge, and players of that nature. And Storm, there's still improvement and growth in this side to come. That's why I have them firmly in Premiership contention. They're definitely not my first pick, Uh, But there's still a lot of room to grow in a side that is currently running third. So Tom Eisenhuth naturally uh, plays on an edge, has even played on the wing uh, throughout his career and in the centres. Named to play in the middle here, Nelson into the back row. We've seen him deployed there before, but I just think it's because he's become so important to Melbourne's game plan uh, that you start him in the back row, and then you move him into the middle. Maybe Tarek Sims off the bench and Big Nas moves into the middle. That way you can have him out there for as long as possible. Such is the importance of Big Nas uh, to this Melbourne side. Harry Grant in the number nine. He's smiling in his picture here on NRL.com. I imagine he'd be smiling in real life. Christian Welsh looks a bit more serious, uh, which I guess, yeah, 
He'd be stoked for Queensland, but upset to not have been a part of that. Luckily for Christian, he's the captain of the Melbourne Storm. And they're right in the Premiership mix. So big game for Christian Welch. Trent Loyero played at my junior club. He just played way better than I did. So he's playing for the Melbourne Storm now. And he is one of these players where there's a lot of room for growth. He's very much part of this new era that is dawning at Melbourne. And Loyero, he has locked down that starting back row position. And when you consider that he's locked down that left starting position, you've also got to take into account that Tarek Sims signed with the club this year. Tarek Sims, if it wasn't last year from memory, it was probably the year before, was playing left edge back row for the New South Wales Blues and playing very well. So that speaks volumes as to how highly the Melbourne Storm rate young Trent Luero. Uh, and he's going to have a big game here. I can feel it. Josh King in the lock forward jersey. On the bench, Bronson Garlic, who basically plays the role that Brandon Smith played uh, just for way cheaper. And obviously it's very hard. It's almost impossible to replace Brandon Smith. But as far as the role that Brandon was playing, Bronson Garlic's playing it for a fraction of the price. Pretty good result for Melbourne. Uh, there's also Garlo's Pies, his family business. I actually haven't had a Garlo's, a Garlo's Pie, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, that's a good venture. Being in the pie game would be cool. And they look like cool pies. So if anyone from Garlo's Pies is listening, if you send us a free pie, I'll fucking, I'll sponsor a segment from Garlo's Pies. I'd love to try. If I come across one, I believe they just dropped in Melbourne. This is off, off topic, but yeah, Garlo's Pies. I, I think that could be an omen, Bronson in, after a terrific game this weekend. Tarek Sims on the bench, Aaron Penne, and Tyron Wishart. So those are the teams. As far as the game itself, I'm really confident in the Melbourne Storm here. I think playing at Amy Park, Seagulls just seem a bit down at the moment. No Jake, no Tom for the rest of the season. They don't even have Ben. Uh, they do have Daily Cherry Evans, but ultimately, I'm just going on what I feel. And I feel like even if this is a one-point win, I'm really, really confident in Melbourne here. There's no such thing as a lock of the week because nothing is ever a lock. But I just... I can't quite articulate it. I just have 100% confidence that Melbourne are going to find a way to win here. And like I said, there's still a lot of growth to come in this team. We don't know exactly where Ryan Pappenhausen is at, but the Storm sit third. So they give themselves the luxury of just being able to let it play its natural course. You do not want to rush a player who has that much importance to your long term success and Nick Meany you cannot fault the job he's doing just unbelievably great form from Nick Meany and let's say the storm is sitting like seventh then the Pappenhausen thing starts to become much more of a narrative so they've given themselves a lot of room to breathe to say look we are firmly in the top four mix right now premiership is the goal for this year and if we get Ryan Pappenhausen back, how good. Then our premiership chances skyrocket 
more than ever. But where the Melbourne Storm sit right now, heading into this home game, looking to avenge a loss against Manly from earlier this year, well, even if Ryan Pappenhausen, he needs to sit out the rest of this season to get himself 100%, Nick Meany is ready to go. He's proven that. So even on the quotation mark worst case scenario, Melbourne Storm, as always, are in their premiership window and they are going to give it a red hot crack. And I think Melbourne at home here, I think they're going to show us that the premiership isn't beyond them this year. Not my first pick to get it done. They're right in the mix. And I cannot deny Melbourne Storm here. So I'm going to take the Storm over this manly side who badly need a win. And we are now going to move on to the next. Brisbane Broncos leading the way in season 2023. The latter leaders taking on their state rivals in the Gold Coast Titans, who I spoke about at the start of the podcast, now coached by Jim Lenahan, no longer coached by Justin Holbrook, about to be coached by Des Hasler. A hell of a lot going on, but anytime you let go of a coach uh, in these kind of circumstances, it kind of says that the season's probably done, that you're not quite there as far as finals. So Gold Coast Titans, mathematically, they're still right in the mix to play finals. Uh, This is must win, as must win as it gets against a Brisbane Broncos side who are the clear leaders of this competition. And now as far as the minor premiership, coming towards this run home with only one origin game remaining uh, before we start setting our focus on the final series to come, The Brisbane Broncos, that top position, is theirs to lose. Suncorp Stadium, it is going to be a massive showdown, and Queensland is buzzing after Wednesday night. Uh, So this is going to be absolutely massive. Checking out the team news for the Broncos, Kurt Capewell is out, uh, but Brendan Piakura, who's already been nominated for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star this year, uh, one of what I think will be like 26 or 27 nominations. One young player each round. At the end of the season, you can vote over on our Instagram. Uh, We'll be putting up polls uh, for kind of the end of year podcast. Last year, Jeremiah Nanai was the rising star. Uh, But Brendan Piakura, he's already been nominated. He shapes as a massive part of the Broncos' future. So he gets a start here alongside Jordan Rickey in the back row. Selwyn Cobbo, he's been named to play, uh, even though he didn't take part in the Origin game. Payne Haas, Carrigan, Flegler, Reese Walsh, all expected to back up. And Tyson Smoothie keeps his bench spot ahead of Corey Pakes, according to NRL.com, uh, which is interesting. Funnily enough, Tyson Smoothie also played at the same junior club as I did. Uh, just again, better than I did. Uh, So Tyson Smoothie, Sunshine Coast Junior. He also, years ago, played under-20s in the Broncos system and then kind of floated around, spent a bit of time at the Melbourne Storm, played for the Sunshine Coast Falcons at cup level. Now playing, I think, for Wynnum Manly Seagulls. Could be wrong there. Uh, But playing very well. And here he is in the NRL setup on the back of a great preseason showing. 
Uh, for the Gold Coast Titans, Karen Foran is back, and he will be up and about, knowing that his man, Daddy Dez, on the way to the club. Jaden Campbell goes back to the bench, uh, but this stint in the halves, now there's a bit more uh, thought or process behind having Campbell on the bench. Before, he seemed just like an out-and-out fullback. And it was like, okay, well, how do you inject him if Brimson plays 80 at fullback? And there was a thought Brimson probably moves into the halves before Campbell does, and then Jaden to fullback. Uh, but Jaden, he's adding some versatility to his game. Coming off the bench, he can add a lot of impact. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that goes. Kieran Foran back definitely boosts the Titans' chances of competing with the ladder leaders. David Fafita is back as well. He'll be buzzing after the Origin win. Uh, we've got Cruz Leeming and Isaac Fasuamala'awe. They drop out of the 17. Uh, Fafita, Tino, Mo Fodawaka, all named to back up. So there you go. Those are the teams. As far as the game itself, uh, I've just been made a, a believer. Brisbane have made a believer out of me. Gold Coast Titans have not. But now this whole Des has a thing, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. Well, now I'm starting to believe as far as the bigger picture. But for 2023, which is the year that we live in, and the season that we are fucking balls deep in, unless you don't have balls, but you know what I mean. Uh, Broncos, I am a believer, 100%. And Titans, they're just giving off pretender vibes. Right now. Des Hasler, the man to turn it around. Tino Fasuamala'awe, the captain, to lead this side uh, on an upward trajectory toward potential premiership success. They've got your David Fafitas. They've got your Brimsons. They've got it all. But this season, they're just not putting it together. And so on that basis, I just simply don't have enough faith in the Gold Coast Titans. In fact, I actually tipped them earlier this year to beat the Broncos. And they certainly didn't do that. So there's been a few times where I've been like, you know what? There's a lot to like about the Titans. I'm going to go for them here. And almost always when I go for them, they let me down. So I'm kind of like distancing myself from liking what they're about at the moment. But going forward, I think finally things are looking up for the Titans. But this isn't about going forward. This is about right now, first place. Versus a team that season is on the line. I haven't seen enough from Gold Coast to suggest that they're going to save their season here. Brisbane Broncos, I've seen everything to suggest they are right in there as far as the premiership conversation. So pretty simple pick, really. I'm going to take the Brisbane Broncos to get the job done over the Gold Coast Titans. The penultimate game of round 17 is a very intriguing one. The 4th placed South Sydney Rabbitohs, the 13th placed Cowboys at a course stadium. Now Rabbitohs are right in the premiership mix themselves, but right now Cody Walker, we know he's not playing at 100%. They're without Latrell Mitchell here. Uh, Damian Cook had to play on Wednesday night in the centres. Uh, that he will be playing here. Uh, but Rabbitohs, they're without some stars here. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge against a Cowboys side 
that find themselves in a situation where they just can't afford to lose. Like it's at the point now, one loss here, and it just could be too much as far as getting themselves into the top eight. But on the flip side of that, when you look at these sides down the bottom of the ladder, if there is any side that can get on a run, that has the team to do it, and the form potentially to be able to actually make a huge run toward the finals, it is the Cowboys. Hence why this game intrigues me a lot. Bunnies without a lot of strike power here, whilst Cowboys with plenty. Now, this is a game where Rabbitohs, I don't think they can look to play the Rabbitohs of old style, just pile on the points, you know, play really expansive footy. I think they need to get really tough with this one. Like I said, no Luttrell, Cody Walker not at 100%. They're just going to need to really tough it out. And I think they have the stars to do that. And so for a Bunnies win, I think the path to victory is that they actually just really need to get into an ugly contest here, set for set, and just keep going with the Cowboys until you break him. Now, Totola and Hame Sally up front with uh, Saliva Havili, Davy Moale, Tom Burgess, that shores up the middle. When I think of tough and the exact kind of guys who can get into a grinding affair, uh, like the one I've just spoken about, it's all of these guys. And then on the edges, you have Cheekam, uh, you have Jed Cartwright, Kaloa Matangi, Cameron Murray, I'm not sure where his fitness is at as well. So there's another kind of thing hampering the bunnies going into this game. Campbell Graham, he's going to have a point to prove. Blues, you should have picked me. You probably should pick me for game three. Uh, so bunnies, they're not at 100%, but Cowboys have very rarely, in terms of form, been at their best this year. Uh, now, they haven't named their origin stars to back up but they are in the extended reserves. I would expect all of them to come in for what is a must-win contest. It's a real danger game for the Rabbitohs. Cowboys have everything to play for. And if North Queensland win here, the talking point coming out of the game is going to start to be, what do the Cowboys have to do to be part of September action? Because they can afford very few losses along the road and their finals well the series realistically starts now for the cowboys so in itself that is very physically emotionally and mentally draining and we're about to see if this young cowboys side is up for the task cowboys win here and it is on it's on for young and old the finals race they lose here and i just think based on most of what we've seen this year They've just left themselves with too much to do. So we're getting to that point, aren't we? Where the games, it's really must-win territory for a lot of teams. Bunnies, they've done so well throughout this season for the most part where they can afford to enter this game. And it's not must-win, but they sit fourth. The fluctuations on the ladder are crazy. And it's just like, as far as the two points here, for the Bunnies, it's all about, do you want to be closer to finishing first place, top four finish, or are you maybe going to finish outside the top four? Making the chances of a premiership drastically harder 
So this is a vital two points for the Rabbitohs. And the fact that it's not must win actually gives me a bit of encouragement for the Rabbitohs because there's no doubt their intention is going to be to win, but they don't have that pressure of, fuck, if I bomb a try, our season could be gone. Souths, we all know their season is onza. Cowboys, they are fighting for their lives as far as the season goes. And I just think that pressure and just that added thing in the back of their minds, if this game is the way I think it's going to be, an ugly grinding contest set for set and basically about who breaks first and who can capitalize on that, I just think Rabbitohs, they're not going to be under that extreme pressure when if this gets down to the final 10 minutes and the game's on the line, the Rabbitohs are going to be looking to win, no doubt. They have every motivation, but if they can't get it done, it's not the be-all and end-all, especially for their premiership hopes, whereas it is for the Cowboys. So this is either going to go either way. Either that is going to rocket the Cowboys to a season-changing win, or the pressure, the expectation, and the catch-up football is just going to prove a little bit too much. And I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. I think the pressure will prove a little bit too much for the Cowboys. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. I would love to see a North Queensland win here. But South, they're classy. I like the setup they're working with. And even though they're not at full strength, looking at their side from 1-17, to 17, a side coached by Jason Dimitriou, with two points on the line, that's what a pick comes down to. Who wins? It's not about all these other factors. It's literally just who wins. Two points on the line. I'm going to go with South Sydney. They've given themselves room to breathe, unlike the Cowboys, who are just... It's like they're drowning and they're literally just fighting to keep their heads above water. Now, if Cowboys win, they're above water. They're swimming now. They'll be on doggy paddling. They're swimming upstream but it might just be too much. And with Rabbitohs entering this game, without that intense pressure, it just allows them to focus on the job at hand. So let's lock in the last pick, or second last pick. Goodness gracious, I'm all over the place. The penultimate pick of round 17. A danger game though. A pick that I'm not super confident about. The South Sydney Rabbitohs to defeat the North Queensland Cowboys. Okay, blimey, uh, just under two hours, so I do apologize for the length of today's podcast. Obviously, there was some big news at the start, but don't forget, today all about asking questions of Round 17, weekend rap podcast coming out on Sunday. Uh, that is immediately following the NRL action finishing. I'm going to sit down and we're going to discuss some of the answers from Round 17. As I've said throughout the pod, a lot of teams with their seasons on the line. So we'll be able to look at that following the result and work out uh, even more so than we do now. Where does everyone stand? Where does each team stand in this premiership race? So the Weekend Wrap podcast, I'll be talking about all the games and the best bits from round 17, and that'll be out on Sunday. Best way to know when that drops is either to follow us on Instagram 
at Not Just a Sports Report. Or you can also just follow us on your preferred podcast platform and you'll be able to hear as soon as the weekend wrap is streaming. But let's finish strong. A game that was a grand final just a few years ago, the Sydney Roosters, with Luke Carey seemingly set to play. Uh, So the jaw thing, not as bad as once thought. Up against a Canberra Raiders side, who, like I just said, we don't know exactly where every team sits amongst this premiership race. And that can certainly be said for both of these sides. The Roosters, I think in most people's minds, are premiership contenders. But as far as where we have them and where they actually sit amongst the race, could be two totally different things. We're about to find out. Same for the Raiders, who right now I think are exceeding a lot of people's expectations. Can they keep that up? Are they perhaps better than we think they are right now? Well, I had them as my dark horse this year for the Premiership, so I'm certainly thrilled to see how the Raiders are playing. But maybe we could be giving them a little bit too much credit as for where they sit in the race. I said this again. This isn't must-win as far as season on the line, but this is going to tell us a lot about where these teams stand in the Premiership mix. Roosters, Raiders, it is going down 6.15pm on Sunday at Allianz Stadium. Roosters coming off that very tight win against Newcastle to give their season a real kickstart. Whilst the Raiders, they had the bye, and before that, my mighty Warriors spoiled Croker's 300th celebrations. Uh, I'm just going to look at the stat attack. As far as the teams, I mean, there's battles all across the park. And there are players I'm definitely going to be keeping a close eye on. James Tedesco. Facing a bit of adversity right now. He's a class player. The cream always rises to the top. uh, So I think he'll be in for a big game. Uh, Joey Manu shifting back to the centres. That's obviously a big talking point. Head to head against Jared Croker. Matty Tomoko on the other side. uh, For the Canberra Raiders. He is someone that, look, Rooster's defence seemingly ain't what it used to be. And Matt Tomoko, he's someone that can take a structured defense. And it's like everything these defenders know about structures and systems. Tomoko just throws it out the fucking window. He's like, forget everything you know about defense, because I'm going to start throwing things at you that you just, you can't train for. I am a massive fan of Matt Tomoko. And yeah, he's someone, if the Raiders get it done, I think he'll be front and center. Uh, who else we got in the teams? You got Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty in the halves against Luke Carey and Sandon Smith. This is a big opportunity in the career of Sandon Smith. That Roosters number seven jersey, uh, it's certainly a high profile position to find yourself in. And there are other guys who they've tried in that halfback jersey. But the Roosters since Cooper Cronk, they just haven't been set. They haven't been sold on who that halfback is. So now for Sandon Smith, look, I'm sure right now the powers at the Roosters are not thinking like, yep, this is our halfback. They're probably looking at a Ben Hunt or whoever can get them to that premiership level. But for Sandon Smith, all you need is an opportunity. 
Now's his time to just show what he can do. And you never know. You never know. The best possible answer for the Roosters, it might just be Sandon Smith as the halfback. So Carey, Sandon Smith, if Luke Carey doesn't play, I'd expect Drew Hutchison to step in from the extended reserves. Front row battle, going to be an absolute beaut. Jared Warrior Hargreaves and Lindsay Collins coming off a best on ground performance for the Queensland Maroons up against a former Maroon and a legend of that Queensland jersey, Josh Papali'i and Joseph Tarpane. Um, when I talked about Matt Tomoko, a guy when you're trying to defend, it's like you just have to throw the rule book out. Tarpane is another one of those guys, very tall. His body shape in general is pretty hard to deal with, let alone the fact that he runs so hard. If you don't tie him up, he's going to free that arm up, create second phase play, and he just goes, goes, and goes. And every time I watch Tarpane play, all I can think is like, and if you know the reference, you know, if you don't, it's all good. But his wife was fucking right when she was like, Ricky Stewart, Joseph Tarpane, my husband, needs to play more minutes. She copped some shit. There were people being like, shut up, like, you're just his wife. Like, what do you know? Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I think if you're a team that's struggling in the NRL and you're looking for maybe the next assistant coach, like your next Cameron Seraldo, Jason Riles, if you're looking for the next gun assistant, Mrs. Tarpane has a serious eye for talent. She was right. Shout out to her. You have to give credit for the call. Because at the time, Ricky Stewart was playing Tarpane off the bench. He wasn't playing many minutes. Mrs. Tarpane, you were spot on. Someone needs to say it. She was fucking spot on. A Hudson Young in the back row. Coming off the Origin series. Everything to do with that. He'll have to put it behind him. Because now, he's in that green jersey. And we all know that the green jersey means a lot to Hudson Young. And he's going to be someone who's just going to be a thorn in the rooster's side all afternoon or evening. I think it starts at 6pm. Elliot Whitehead in the back row. Corey Horsburgh. Gee whiz, he'll be up and about after being involved in the Queensland squad. Uh, in the rooster's back row, Egan Butcher, Satili Tupaniua and Victor Radley. Victor Radley is a player who can swing this in favour of the Roosters. Great ball playing, but I think with everything he's been going through, trying to stay on the park, I think he's going to want to let rip here. Blow off a bit of steam, legally not end up with any judiciary charges, but I think he's going to be the right level of aggressive. Big game for Victor Radley. On the benches for the Roosters, for goodness sake, classic Roosters bench. Angus Crichton, who plays for the Kangaroos. Nathan Brown, who's formerly played Origin. Nat Butcher was incredible in the middle for them last weekend. He's been incredible over a sustained period for them. And Nafahu White had a great game last weekend. And with Matt Lodge seemingly on the way out. And Roosters just not gelling with the preferred 17. Opportunities are starting to open up for your Sandon Smiths and Nafahu Whites. And it's up to these talented players now to say... I belong here. Good luck dropping me. Although Roosters traditionally don't mind dropping players from time to time. 
Uh, let's finish off with the stat attack, courtesy of David Middleton and NRL.com. Roosters have won four from five at Allianz Stadium this year. There you go. There's a bit of a factoid. Raiders have only won three of their past 20 games against the Roosters in Sydney. Wowee. Uh, but again, different Roosters, different Raiders, but still worth taking into account. This is also worth taking into account. The Roosters have the worst attacking record in the competition. They don't know who their halves are. The Brandon Smith thing's been very stop-start. He's had his troubles with injury. They've got Jake Turpin in there. It's reflected. I didn't know that. They have the worst attacking record in the competition. That has to change now, immediately. There's no time to be mucking around. You're not going to play finals. You're definitely not going to win a premiership with the worst attack. We know defense is supposed to be the key. Roosters have great defense, but you can't win a premiership with the worst attack, no matter how good your defense is. Raiders, well, their defense is not so good. They've conceded 30 points or more four times in their past seven games. So if the Roosters are looking to break the floodgates open, if they're waiting for an invitation uh, to get their shocking attack going, well, the Raiders, on average, over the last seven games, they're basically just inviting the Roosters, like, hey, you guys looking to get going? You looking for your attack to begin to click? Come play us. Score some tries. Have some confidence and belief in yourselves. Uh, so that's a bit alarming for Canberra to be conceding that many points. But I always say Raiders on their day can beat any side in this competition. I truly believe that. Of course, that was evident with their win against the Broncos at Suncorp earlier this season. And I think this is going to be a mighty close game. Roosters winger Daniel Tupo needs two tries to equal Anthony Minicello's club record of 139. Daniel Tupo, what a player over a long period of time for the Chooks. And Anthony Minicello, my goodness, one of my first ever favorite players. Like day one, one of my day one guys, for sure, Anthony Minicello. He was the man in his Roosters heyday. I remember playing like whatever Rugby League Live used to be called, Stacey Jones Rugby League or whatever. And Minicello, holy shit. I pulled off some epic PlayStation 1 or 2 moments uh, with Anthony Minicello. Some real full field nonsense when I was like six years old. So I love Anthony Minicello. Good to know he still holds the record, but that tells you all you need to know about Daniel Tupo uh, and just how much he's given to the Roosters. Here's another stat. Roosters and Raiders are ranked 15th and 16th for try assists with 31 apiece. That is literally half of the NRL leaders, the Rabbitohs, who have 62 try assists. So the creativity, and I've definitely seen this. Anyone who's listened to the pod knows that the Raiders 100% my second team, well and truly. So I've seen firsthand, like, yeah, their attack has been spluttering at points especially in the first chunk of the season. Uh, but the Roosters have been very much the same. So this is basically just like, who's actually going to show up and get the job done? Because both of these sides right now head in with a lot of deficiencies. But on the positive side, both of these teams, if they can get it right, they are in the mix for a premiership. 
So this is a huge way to finish off the round. Raiders have won four of seven away games this year, so they're certainly not opposed to traveling. And ah, oh, this is so tough to pick. I'm going the Roosters, but I'm cheering the Raiders on. I really want to pick the Raiders. I can see so many reasons as to why I think they can win. And the Roosters, time and time again, like I can't tip them with confidence, which is wild. I have very little confidence in this pick, but the Roosters, I just don't think they're done yet. I don't think we can fully put them in the rearview mirror. Like if I'm a Panthers, a Broncos, a Storm, a Rabbitohs, they can't quite yet just say, we're not going to have to get it done over the Roosters come finals time. And the same can be said about the Raiders. So this is a hell of a way to end the round. I'm going to go with the Roosters. Not too sure about that, but cheering for the Raiders, tipping the Roosters, and those are the picks. It's been bloody two hours, so I am calling it here, and I'll be back to talk about all the action that unfolds in round 17 on the Weekend Rap Podcast. But that has been it for today. Hopefully you like the picks. And most importantly, of course, we got some footy to enjoy this weekend. So take care. Thank you for listening. And we shall get amongst the weekend rap this Sunday. <laughs>